0: welcome to the renaissance podcast if you would like to participate in online worship sermons and children's programs then check out the renaissance church at home page at rendicator.org now let's get started so the disciples have been separated from jesus For over three years, they've been following him every day, watching his every move, learning from him, but now his body lay dead in a tomb. They're hiding away. For fear of the people who arrested Jesus and had him crucified, they're afraid that if they get caught outside of their homes, then they too will face death. Even though they have each other, they feel isolated and separated from the world around them. Where is God in all of this? But this is not the first time that God's people have felt separated from God. If we go back to the beginning, the story of the Genesis of everything, when a good God created a good universe and a good world and filled it with good creatures. Adam and Eve, the the beginning of all humanity, were in the beginning with God there, that God created them for him. And as they find themselves in the most awe-inspiring, pleasure-filled environment, having perfect communion and relationship with their God and Creator, everything was perfect until they were deceived. You see, one day, rather than continuing to follow God and His infinite wisdom and knowledge, they decided to gain their own knowledge. And in their act of rebellion, sin, entered the world. And because of sin, death entered the world as well. God sees their rebellion and he banishes them from his presence, isolating them, separating them from himself. But before he does so, he does make a promise. He says one day he will destroy the deceiver, the one who deceived Adam and Eve, thinking that they could be like God himself that he will find a solution for the issue of sin in the world, and he will conquer death. God was not happy with their sin. If we fast forward a few generations in this story, we begin to see that sin has stained all of humanity. Violence and wickedness was ruling the earth. God looked down upon his creation and saw the cruelty and the malice by which humanity was living, and he decided to start over. And so he pronounced judgment onto the world, and in the judgment of a flood, he began to destroy all of his creation. But in a moment of grace, he chose a man, Noah, and his family, and saved them. He placed them inside of an ark. And so when the waters of judgment came upon the earth to drown every living thing, they were lifted up above the judgment. They had been saved. We learn that God can save his people. There's another story that we can read in the Old Testament where God's people, the nation of Israel, had found themselves enslaved and in bondage in a country called Egypt under the rule of a wicked king, Pharaoh. They cry out to God for a rescuer, for a deliverer, and God sends Moses to rescue them. After a series of miraculous events, Pharaoh finally relents and lets God's people go. As they make their way out of Egypt into the desert to follow God into the promised land, Pharaoh has a change of heart. He musters his army and sends them in hot pursuit after God's people. As God's people are leaving, they find themselves hemmed in between the waters of the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army behind them. They are stuck. But God moves in a, great, in a great way. He opens the waters of the Red Sea. God's own people cross through on dry ground. And when the Egyptian army followed them in pursuit, God stayed his hand. He pulled his hand back and the waters come crashing down onto the Egyptian army and drowned them all. God had saved his people once again. I can almost imagine Peter and James and John and the other disciples thinking about these stories as they find themselves hidden away in safety. At some point, two women come into the room with them. These women were followers of Jesus. They were known and trusted. They had left earlier that day to go to the tomb to pay their last respects to Jesus. And when they arrived, they saw the entrance of the tomb was open. They looked inside and did not see the body of Jesus. Confused, wondering if somebody had stolen the body of Jesus, an angel appeared to them and said that Jesus is not there among the dead because he is alive. These women are telling this story, these stories to the disciples, and fear and confusion is swirling around and no one knew what to think about all of this. Has Jesus' body been stolen? Pontius Pilate ordered Roman soldiers to guard the tomb. Who would risk their own life to get past Roman soldiers and steal a body? Is Jesus alive? Is that even possible? I mean, God has done some miraculous things in the past, but has he done this? Peter was one of the disciples first chosen by Jesus to become one of his followers or apprentices. Peter was a strong man, a bold man. In fact, he was so bold at one point when the disciples were in a boat out on the lake and they saw Jesus walking by on the water, it was Peter's boldness that asked him to say to Jesus, please ask me to join you on the water. But even fear can make bold and strong men do weak things. You see, on the night that Jesus was arrested, just a few days ago, Peter had denied knowing Jesus. He denied being one of his followers and friends. In fact, he did it not once or twice, but three times. And on the third time, Jesus was watching Peter do it. So you can imagine Peter thinking to himself, if Jesus is alive, then I wanna go and tell him that I'm sorry that I denied him and disappointed him. So Peter and another disciple, the disciple John, the youngest disciple among them, they leave the room where they were hiding and they run to the tomb. John arrives first, of course, he's the youngest one, and he looks inside the tomb. And we learned that immediately he believed. He believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead, but not Peter. When Peter arrives, he, he pushes John to the side, and not just looks in the tomb, he actually goes inside of the tomb. And inside of it, he sees the grave clothes, the, the expensive linen garments that were used to wrap Jesus' dead body. Why would someone take the time to steal a body and unwrap all of the grave clothes? Why would they leave behind these expensive garments? As John was a believer, as soon as he saw the empty tomb, he believed that Jesus was alive, but not Peter. In fact, we know this, that when Peter left, he wondered what all of these things could possibly mean. Maybe Jesus is alive. Maybe somebody stole his body. Peter doesn't know, but he knows this. He is confused as to what has taken place. You and I, we find ourselves in situations like this all the time. God, if you don't explain to me what's happening, I don't think I'll ever know. God, if you don't come and speak to me now in this moment, then I don't know how I'm going to move forward. God, if you don't say something to me, I don't know how I can continue to live. This is where Peter had found himself. As day turns to night and darkness sweeps, across the city, the disciples find themselves hidden away again for safety behind locked doors. And suddenly, immediately Jesus appears to them and he sticks out his hands and says here, look at the holes in my hands where they nailed me to the cross. He points to the side where he'd been pierced. And he says these words to them in a traditional greeting. He says, peace be with you. And this was more than just a simple greeting. Jesus was pushing back against the confusion, the clouds of confusion and fear. Jesus had showed up. Jesus was alive.
1: took the wrath Start to lie. And Jesus, you show me what freedom is. You call my name. You broke my shame. You are my deliverance. Jesus, you show me what freedom is, you call my name, you broke my shame, and Jesus, you are my deliverance, from death to life, from dark to light. Me, what freedom is, you call my name, you broke my shame, you are my deliverance.
0: So, Jesus is alive. When Peter, James and John and the rest of the disciples saw him, it changed everything. They stopped living in fear. They took the story of Jesus and his resurrection and began to tell all of their brothers and sisters in the faith. But there was another man, a man named Paul, Paul, the apostle, we call him. He's responsible for writing almost all of our new Testament in the Bible but he wasn't a follower of Jesus. In fact, Paul opposed the story that Jesus was alive. Whenever he heard of any of the people telling the story that Jesus had been raised from the dead, he would persecute them, that he would bring violence to them. That is until one day he met Jesus himself. Face to face, he had an encounter with Jesus. And from that point, forward. His life was never the same either. Paul had been trained in the study of the Old Testament. He knew the stories of God and his people, and now he took it upon himself, inspired by God as well, but to go and tell the people of the world who Jesus was and what his resurrection meant for them. One of the things that Paul writes about in the Bible is he says this and this is important for you and I to understand. That he says that all people, it doesn't matter if they're young or old, if they're black or white, gay or straight, if they believe in God or not believe in God. It doesn't even remat- it doesn't even matter what religion they might be. Paul says this about all of humanity. He says that all people have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. It just means this, that we have sinned, not just to each other and against each other when we lie and cheat and steal, but all of our offenses, all of our sins are first and foremost sins against God, God in his perfectness and his righteousness. We are sinning against. We are falling short, according to Paul, of the glory that God has that he has for us and for himself. God did not build humanity. He did not make humanity so that we could sin against him and live our lives without him. No, God wants us to have a relationship with him. But because sin is in our lives and the ultimate result of sin, which is death, then you and I are going to be forever removed and separated from God. But Paul wants us to know this as well, that not only has death entered into the world um, through sin, and that sin came in through Adam, basically, but he wants us to know that Jesus, because he'd been raised from the dead, that we who have faith in him to believe can also be raised from the dead as well. Listen what he says here. He says, For as in Adam all people die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. What does that mean? It simply means this, that you and I naturally are born into the sins of Adam, that we come by those things naturally. We don't have to be trained or taught how to sin. We just do it. But God has created a way for us to overcome sin, and that is through his son, Jesus. You see, Jesus is the son of God that he came to earth and through God's plan of conquering death and dealing with the issue of sin, Jesus took his perfect life. Jesus never sinned when he lived and he took that perfect life and he laid it down as a sacrifice for us on the cross and in some miraculous Way some supernatural way, God placed the judgment or the penalty of sin upon his son, Jesus. You and I deserve the punishment of sin. Jesus took that sin upon himself and took that punishment upon himself as well. And when he died, they buried him in a grave. But on the third day, God raised him from the grave, which just means this, that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for us. No longer now must we go and face death and judgment and eternal separation from God. Jesus had bore the punishment for our sin on our behalf. And not only that, Jesus has given us by faith when we believe in him, the presence of his spirit That God's spirit dwells inside of us. It is the seal of our salvation and he is with us always. I need you to hear this. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus are never for a minute of any day separated from God. And Paul wants us to understand that as well. And he says these words that there is nothing in fact that can separate us from the love of God. In our world right now, we can imagine the feelings of isolation and separation as the world endures this pandemic of COVID-19, that we have been socially distancing ourselves, keeping our shelter in place, staying at home, only going to the grocery store for needed necessities. And that isolation and separation can wear upon us. But I need you to know this, that we are not separated from God in this. Because of Jesus, we have the nearness and closeness of God through his spirit. He says this, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, basically he is saying there is nothing that we can encounter on this earth that can separate us from God and his love. No, we would be conquerors is the language that Paul uses. We are conquerors through Jesus. I'm convinced of this, Paul writes, that neither death nor life, rulers or angels, things present nor things to come, no powers, there's no height, no depth, nor anything else in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. That's the story of Jesus. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world, his own creation, that he sent Jesus to it. And that if anyone would believe that Jesus had come, that he was the son of God, that he died on a cross for their sins, that he was raised from the dead, that if anyone believes in that, that they would gain eternal life. You see, death is not the end for us in Christ. We will live this life and we will, we will die. But afterwards, we will be raised from the dead. Paul talks about the resurrection of the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead, the first among all of those who would be raised. You and I have the hope of being raised from the dead as well. Let me finish with this one thought. Peter, when he went to the tomb and he saw all the evidence that Jesus was alive, he struggled to believe. So before we send a condemning glance his way and say how, how stupid Peter must have been. Can, can we pause for a moment and consider how many times you and I sometimes just dismiss God even though the evidences are all around? How many times has God saved us and rescued us? How many times has He protected us and provided for us? How many times has he benefited us because of his great love for us? With the stress of our world today, the fear and the anxieties that are going around, it is easy for us to fall into fear and confusion and worry just like the disciples did. But when they found out that Jesus was alive, when they realized that God had saved them through Jesus Christ, that He had delivered them out of their sins, rescued them from eternal death into eternal life with them, they rejoiced. No amount of tribulation or struggle in this earth separated them from that truth. And so I wanna challenge you that in, in this time, in this world right now, we must not lose sight of that truth we must not lose sight of that truth that God loves us and Jesus has come to save us. And we might feel separated. We might feel isolated, but I assure you, we are not. You can imagine that sunrise on that Sunday, some 2000 years ago, it gave light to the empty tomb. They saw that Jesus was raised from the dead. May you and I look to the sunrise that we see every day and remember that Christ has risen and remember that God has conquered over sin. He has conquered over death and he has even conquered over the grave. I want to ask you, have you Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you put your trust and your faith in Jesus? Would you want to admit to him that maybe even now your trust and your faith is wavering? I would like to lead us in a small prayer. And maybe you're a Christian already, but you could use some strength and encouragement. Maybe you're not a believer and you'd wanna pray this with me so that you could become a believer today. Pray with me. You could just say these words in your own living room or say them, you know, under your breath, wherever you are, but just say this, Lord, I trust you. I trust you in your way that if I continue to follow my own path and my self serving desires, and if I keep trying to focus only on my troubles and my struggles, God, I'm going to lose sight of who you are. So God, I want to focus upon you. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. God, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came to earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died upon a cross for me. He bore the punishment of my sin, that he was buried in a grave and God, you raised him on the third day. God, today I want to put my trust in you. I surrender my life to you. God, I thank you. Amen. So I want to thank all of you for joining us as we celebrated Easter and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus this year online. If you're one of those people who prayed that prayer with me to receive Christ as your Savior, would you reach out to me I'd love to see a note from you. Just send it to prayer at rendicator.org. Tell me who you are, that you prayed that prayer to receive Christ. And I want to reach out to you and I want to resource you. I want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. I want to pray for you. And I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. God certainly loves you. Thank you all for joining us. I pray that you have a great rest of the week. In Jesus name. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance podcast. I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rindicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.